Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You would think that the Republican leadership in the Congress would have some sense of responsibility to this institution. I remain profoundly concerned about House Republicans' leadership acceptance of extreme conspiracy theorists. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy about to meet with Congresswoman and QAnon supporter Marjorie Taylor Greene, a meeting that is expected to decide not only Greene's fate, but also could determine the future of the Republican Party in the United States. The voters decided she could come and serve. Everything on Kevin McCarthy's mind right now is, how is this going to impact our chances to win back the House? And how is this going to impact my chances of claiming the speaker's gavel? She said she was wrong. She has reached out in other ways and forms. And nothing that she said has been based upon since she's been a member of Congress. Everything Kevin McCarthy does should be viewed through that prism. He has one thing and one thing only on his mind, and that's getting power back. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, as Democratic leaders and the Republican establishment warn of an increasingly divisive pro-Trump wing, Melanie Zanona on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and the future of the GOP. One thing that people might not know about Kevin McCarthy is that he loves branded swag with his name on it. I mean, I'm talking T-shirts, sunglasses. In fact, I saw Devin Nunes, a fellow California Republican, walking out of a GOP meeting just the other day with a Kevin McCarthy T-shirt. And I'll never forget this one time I was in Kevin McCarthy's office for an interview with him. And afterwards, I noticed sitting on his table was this big wrestling style champion belt. And so I asked him what it was and he picks it up puts it over his shoulder and shows us. And of course, it has Kevin McCarthy, minority leader, emblazoned all over it. Congressional Democrats and Republicans are selecting their new leadership following the midterm elections. House Republicans yesterday chose California Congressman Kevin McCarthy to serve as the minority leader. Kevin McCarthy is a political chameleon. So when he first came to Congress, he really pitched himself as a young gun Republican with ties to Silicon Valley. He's from California. But then when Trump took office, he really molded himself as Trump's top ally on Capitol Hill. It is not hard to defend this president surely on the facts of what's out there. A friend of mine, another great leader, somebody that's going to be Speaker of the House hopefully next year. President even used to call him my Kevin. Kevin McCarthy, our leader, Kevin McCarthy. He was known to talk to him every day. And I think part of that is because McCarthy could see that most of the conference was behind Trump. And he has his eyes on becoming speaker one day. And he knew he needed the support of the conservatives and the pro-Trump wing of the conference. And so he molded himself into a hardcore conservative who is very closely aligned to the president. On January 6th, supporters of that president, now ex-president, who McCarthy had molded himself to, stormed the Capitol in a deadly insurrection. That changed everything for a lot of lawmakers, a lot of people who work on the Hill. How did it change things for McCarthy as, as a leader of the Republican Party? There was a moment where we thought Republicans would be breaking with the president, by and large. Madam Speaker... Let me be clear. 
Last week's violent attack on the Capitol was undemocratic, un-American, and criminal. We saw Mitch McConnell flirt with the idea of impeachment. Kevin McCarthy himself said the president should be censured and he bears some responsibility. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. But it, it really only took a few weeks before we saw Republicans starting to crawl back to Trump, I think really speaks to the power that this ex-president still holds on the Republican Party and how popular he still remains among the base. Former President Donald Trump met today with Republican House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy at Mar-a-Lago. It was the first visit by a congressional leader since the president left office. I mean, Kevin McCarthy just last week actually went down to Mar-a-Lago for a sort of kissing of the ring with the president and he made up with Trump um, and came out of that meeting saying he's going to be an integral part of taking back the House in 2022. The House is set to vote tomorrow on whether to strip the Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments because of her past support for wild, reckless, and dangerous conspiracy theories, including QAnon. Strikingly, the House GOP is also deciding whether they'll remove the Congresswoman Liz Cheney from her leadership role as the number three Republican in all the House. This week, we've seen some tension over embracing or not embracing Trump come to a head with the dueling votes in the GOP over the fates of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Liz Cheney. Democrats in the House ended up last night voting to strip Greene of her committee assignments. But on Wednesday, when Republicans were voting internally, led by McCarthy, they did not punish Greene and they did not punish Cheney. What are the factors we've seen at play here? And what has McCarthy's role been in it all? Conservatives have been agitating against Liz Cheney since last summer. And after she voted to impeach the president, that was the last straw for them. So they've been pushing this effort to get her out of leadership for the last few weeks. And it came to a head on Wednesday evening during a meeting. And and she survived. So, you know, they took a big shot at her and missed. It was a, it was a big win for her and big win for McCarthy there and a big loss for uh, the Trump wing of the party. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum here. She has espoused racist, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic views. She has dabbled in really dangerous conspiracy theories, but she is someone who still has a lot of popularity on the right. She's been embraced by Donald Trump himself. And some of her most recent comments that surfaced uh, has pushed a Democratic effort to get her off of her committee assignments or potentially out of Congress. And so we have already seen what McCarthy's strategy is going to be here, and that's attacking Democrats. They're going to judge her on things that were said that she has now denounced before she was ever a member of Congress. I just wonder if they take that same standard. Accusing them of partisan overreach, saying this is unprecedented for the majority party to weigh in on the minority party's committee assignments. There are so many. I wonder if they put that same standard as someone else. Because never in the history of Congress has people been deciding where other parties are putting people on committees. But let's be clear about something. I mean, no one wants to be defending Green right now, including Kevin McCarthy, including most of the Republicans in the conference right now. No one stands by what she said or believes in what she says. And so McCarthy has had to contend with these warring competing factions within his conference and Cheney and Green uh, have come to really embody, uh, you know, the deeper war within the party right now. This war is 
something that's not likely to to go away anytime soon. How do you think McCarthy is going to handle this split going forward? I think they, you know, had a had, had a good conference meeting on Wednesday, and a lot of people f- left that meeting feeling better about where the party is. Uh, but it could be more of a band aid than a cure all. And time will only tell whether this Republican Party is going to be able to unite together um, and and put their deep divides aside. And, you know, I do think on the one hand, there will be a desire to come together to win back the majority. Everyone has that common goal there and they can try to rally around that and rally around countering the Biden agenda. Um, But Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't going anywhere. She's going to continue to create headaches, most likely, for Kevin McCarthy and the GOP. The Democratic Party has signaled that they want to make this a central campaign issue in 2022. They're trying to tie the entire GOP to QAnon and Marjorie Taylor Greene. And then when it comes to Cheney, I mean, look, she still has her critics in the conference and they are angry. And just because they they took this shot at her and missed doesn't mean they're going to go quietly. And so I, I do think that this is only the beginning of the battle for the heart and soul of the GOP. And that is going to play out over the next two years. It's interesting thinking about this and and what you said about McCarthy kind of being a a political chameleon with the GOP at at this crossroads between traditional Republicans and the Trump wing in trying to hold it all together. Do you think McCarthy is kind of like the the physical embodiment of the tightrope that the Republican Party is walking right now post-Trump? Yeah, absolutely. This is a high wire act for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, And it's not something he's not used to. You know, he's had to deal with internal divisions in his conference um, since he became the leader of it. Something else about Kevin McCarthy that's worth pointing out is that he really prides himself on being a people pleaser and his interpersonal relationships with members. He's known to really do lots of temperature checks on the conference. So he knows at all times where his members are at. And he makes his political decisions based on those calculations. And, you know, everything that McKevin McCarthy does, especially in the next two years, should really be viewed through the prism of he's going to do whatever he thinks is the best path to get him not only the majority, but also the speaker's capital. Melanie Zanona, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also, today, Johnson & Johnson is asking for emergency use authorization for its single-dose coronavirus vaccine. According to a global study, the shot is 66% effective broadly against moderate to severe infection, but provides strong protection against hospitalization and death. It is less effective against the variant first found in South Africa, falling to just 57% efficacy in a trial there. The single-dose aspect is appealing to public health officials who say it'll be critical to vaccinating vulnerable, hard-to-reach, and skeptical people. It also can be stored in regular refrigerators, unlike other options that require ultra-cold freezers. The Food and Drug Administration will now review the submission, and an authorization could come within weeks. And former President Trump is rejecting a request from House Democrats to testify during his upcoming impeachment trial. 
In a letter to Trump on Thursday, the House's lead impeachment manager said his testimony was necessary because his lawyer's first official response to the impeachment charge, quote, denied many factual allegations set forth in the article of impeachment. But later in the day, Trump's lawyers called the move a publicity stunt and said he will not be appearing before the Senate. The Senate could vote to subpoena Trump during the trial, but it's unclear if there would be enough support, with GOP senators and even some Democrats balking at the idea. The Politico Dispatch team includes senior producer Jenny Ament and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.